Hey there, everyone. It's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Amazon podcast, where I talk about buying, selling, and financing small and medium-sized businesses. Um, we're here live. Uh, Alex has already left a comment in the box, and Daniel's down there giving me uh, you know, the peace sign in the in the chat window. Hey, Daniel, how you doing? Um as people filter in, uh, I just want to uh, just want to thank everyone for the positive response from last week's video. It was the one about holding companies. Um, on my dashboard inside YouTube, I get to see how new videos perform compared to other ones. So the the holding company video actually is number one out of ten, and so it's gotten more views and more thumbs up than any of the last ten previous videos. So thank you very much, uh, everyone, for supporting and, and watching that one. Um, and I got a lot of great comments back on that one too. Um, while we're waiting for people to filter in, uh, I just want to remind everyone that, um, hey, Cobot, <laughs> um, I want to remind everyone about uh, the Christmas special, <clears throat> Christmas Eve special. In the notes, there's a link. So Thursday, Christmas Eve in the afternoon, I'm going to be doing a special I've already gotten a bunch of guests have confirmed that they're going to drop in. Uh, Henry, Mike, Rick, and Mark, who were all in last year's, are going to drop in. And I'm just waiting on a couple other people left to confirm. Um, and it should be a lot of fun. It's going to be lighthearted, a lot of opinions about what you know happened in the last year and what people think about the year coming up. Um, and um, you know, last year, for example, Henry Lopez talked about the new franchise that he and his cousin had invested in. Uh, which is a, a co-working space. And so, uh, of course, at that time, they didn't know about the pandemic. So I'm expecting Henry will give us a bit of an update on what happened uh, with the co-working space, which which I do know is open. So uh, we'll hear maybe a little bit about how they had to adapt things. Um, so that Christmas special is coming on Thursday. It would be great if you could join us live. Um, the I got a question from Anton uh, from the last live uh, broadcast a week ago where he simply asked what I thought of Bitcoin. And I thought it was interesting because I, I, I talk about businesses and I talk about investing, like doing private loans and leases and stuff. And one of the things that I, hey, Anton's on the line here. Hey, how you doing? Um, and so I talk about investing and I talk about business, um, but I, I tend, I, I have a personal rule about not talking about things like publicly traded securities, just because number one, there's a ton of other channels talking about that kind of stuff. And number two, I'm, I'm not licensed. I've never been a professional in that field. I've never worked in that field. So everything I'm going to say today is, is just my personal opinion. And um, I thought a little bit about this and I've been thinking about it over the years, ever since a good friend of mine bought a whole load of Bitcoin uh, for just a couple dollars each. So I certainly have a personal uh, friend who has made a lot of money off of this. Um, so for any of you who have done Business Buyer Advantage, um, in Business Buyer Advantage, I talk about how business enterprises can fall into a couple of categories. So if a business is not making enough money to pay its owner a fair market wage, then I call that a hobby because the owner has to subsidize the efforts of the enterprise with their own time being given freely. And then if a, if a business produces just enough money to pay the owner a fair market wage, then I call that a job. 
And if there's enough money to pay the owner a fair market wage plus some more money, then, then that's a business. And if that level of additional profit is in excess of half a million dollars, then I call that a going concern. It's a real happening, hopping thing. But then there's another category, which is a speculative concern or a speculative investment. And the way that I draw the delineation between a going concern or a business and a speculative enterprise is I'll use the example of an oil refinery versus a company that owns a drilling rig and wants to do some wildcat drilling, okay? So the oil refinery, every day of the week, they can buy crude oil, they can refine it into gasoline, they can sell that. And so every day they're just doing their thing. And as long as they can buy the crude oil and there's someone who wants to buy the gasoline, they can make money. So that's a business. We know day in and day out what is going to be happening over there, okay? With the speculative wildcat drill rig, what they're doing is they're taking investors' money and they're using that money to pay workers and to pay for equipment. And they're going out uh, somewhere where they believe that they're going to find oil and they're poking holes in the ground, hoping to come across oil, which they may or may not, right? But if they do come across oil, <clears throat> well, then the value of the company is going to go way up or they could become a producer and start selling that oil to the refinery, right? And so when I think about Bitcoin, I think, does it fall into any one of these categories? Well, Bitcoin isn't really a business unless you're a Bitcoin exchange and you're helping people convert money between different currencies and Bitcoin, then you've made Bitcoin into the focus of a business, right? Certainly for some people, Bitcoin is a hobby because they're talking about it all the time. They're, you know, there's podcasts you know, dedicated to Bitcoin and there's people that I see on Twitter all the time that are talking about Bitcoin. So it's a hobby for some definitely, but I don't really think that Bitcoin falls into any of those categories. So it's not really a business and it has no cash flow associated with it. <clears throat> now, normally, if something has no cash flow associated with it, I instantly go to it's a speculation in that it only has value because other people think it does. But that may not be the case with Bitcoin because there's an argument to be made that Bitcoin is a form of money, right? So in, uh, in this book, Invest Local, back in 2014, I have a whole section in there where I argue that precious metals are just money that can't be printed by central banks. <clears throat> Bitcoin um, isn't a creation of central banks. But just, just for fun, I did a Google search, and I've got something on the screen here. And I just searched the characteristics of money. And so they are durability, portability, divisibility, uniformity, limited supply, and acceptability. Okay. So, for example, um, the U.S. dollar is, you know, printed on paper. But, you know, if it's in your bank account, you know, I guess it's durable. A dollar is a dollar. It's going to last. Is it portable? Sure, you can move it around. Is it divisible? Yep, into 100 cents. Uniformity, every dollar is as good as the next one. Limited supply? Well, I heard yesterday they're going to print off another 900 billion of them. So it's not limited supply. And acceptability? Yeah, it's widely accepted. And most importantly, um, if you're an American citizen, you need to get your hands on U.S. dollars every year so you can pay your taxes, right? You own a house, you got to pay property tax. The only way you can pay property tax in the United States is with U.S. dollars. So 
there's a certain acceptability. And because for some people on the planet, they need the dollars for certain things, there's always going to be a demand for them, a reason for some people to be looking for them, right? And so then the question is, you know, what about something like gold? Well, gold is durable, it's portable, it's divisible, it's uniform, you know, pure gold is, you know, two different pieces of pure gold is still pure gold. It's truly in limited supply because there's only so much on earth. It can't be printed and acceptability. You can probably, you can turn gold into local currency anywhere in the world. And so some people would say that Bitcoin has a lot of these same attributes. Um, is it durable? Well, it's not tangible. And if you go onto the internet and you just do a search for currency versus money, for example, you're gonna find all kinds of people talking about the difference between gold versus like a fiat currency, like a dollar. And one of the things that keeps coming up as the difference between the two are the definitive limited supply and durability and tangibility. The fact that you can hold a piece of gold or silver and that these things actually have value outside of strictly being currency or investment or wealth preservation. Uh, gold is used in different kinds of electronics. Silver is even woven into fabrics as a control for bacteria, for example. Um, I personally really like silver because every time someone throws out a cell phone, they throw out some silver, which is in such small quantities, it's not really worth salvaging. And so silver is actually being consumed whereas most of the gold that's ever been mined on earth is still with us. It just keeps getting recycled. Um, you know, all those little places that buy broken jewelry, that stuff gets resmelted and it ends up, you know, in a coin somewhere or into a new piece of jewelry, for example. So does Bitcoin meet these things? Well, you know, it's not tangible in any way. It exists only within the environment of electronic means on the internet. If we lose all the power, you know, gold and silver is still there. Bitcoin is is gone. It's temporarily unavailable. Um, is it, you know, is it really in limited supply? Well, there's a certain number of Bitcoins that can be mined. It is divisible, I believe, to eight decimal points. And so I saw something today on Twitter, which really got me thinking and it made me decide that this was the topic I wanted to talk about today. It was a comment from someone saying, we should come up with a new term for talking about Bitcoin to make it more attractive to new investors. And so what was he talking about? He was talking about a new term for some smaller piece of a Bitcoin. So just like percentage points, 1% is divisible into basis points. There's 100 basis points in one percentage point. So you can listen and you can say like, you can hear them say like uh, the Euro is up 22 basis points over the US dollar today. That means it's 0.22% up over the other currency, for example. And so a basis point is one one hundredth of an interest rate point uh, of a percentage. And what this guy is saying is we should come up with a more divisible way. So we should call them some other name so that instead of saying that a Bitcoin is worth 20 grand, for example, they could say this other thing is worth $200, one one thousandth of it. And the fact that people are talking about making the price more appealing for someone who wants to come in, enter the market to be a new investor, 
made me start to ask questions like, okay, so we've, we've just been thinking about is Bitcoin like dollars or is Bitcoin like gold? Now let's compare it to some other things. Is Bitcoin like Wayne Gretzky hockey cards, rookie hockey cards? So if I look at, you know, the characteristics of money, um, the Wayne Gretzky rookie card is certainly not durable. It's portable. Uh, it's not divisible. Um, it's uniform in that they're all the same. Limited supply, yeah, extremely. I don't think that there are very many of them out there. Uh, acceptability, rather poor. You know, you would have to take it to an auction or find someone who is a serious collector who happened to be liquid. Because when I looked it up just a few moments ago, a Wayne Gretzky rookie card in mint condition uh, is currently selling for $210,000. So, so that's a, a rookie card. Now, if we're going to talk about hockey cards, I don't think that anyone can argue there's any tangible value to the Wayne Gretzky rookie hockey card. I don't think that, you know, anyone would argue that this, the only reason it's worth $210,000 is because there are a lot of Wayne Gretzky fans out there with money who want to own this piece of memorabilia, right? And so the value of that hockey card comes exclusively from the fact that there is a market of people who believe it has value and want to own one and they're willing to trade their money for it, okay? So that then leads me to ask, what is the similarity or difference between Bitcoin and tulip bulbs 400 years ago in Holland? Because tulip bulbs, you could actually plant them and grow a flower, but tulip bulbs eventually became as expensive as a house. And today I saw someone say that they expected Bitcoin to go to $400,000, which I don't know, maybe he's looking at the tulip bulb chart would make them as expensive as a house in a lot of US cities, right? And so, you know, everybody I know who bought Bitcoin in the years gone by when they were $10, $100, $1,000, some of them have hung on to some small fraction of one just to see how far it'll go, but they pretty much liquidated their whole position. So if I were somebody who is looking at, if I, if I were look, someone who is looking at making an investment somewhere to grow my money, um, you know, when I look at businesses or if I look at publicly traded stocks for my own self, I look at what is this business? I look at what do they do, how much money they're going to be making, et cetera. And I try to relate the profitability and cash flow to the price of the stock. And stocks have become overvalued. The multiples are going way up. I know that that's an issue. Um, but for every transaction that occurs, and this is what I want you to think about, for every transaction that occurs, if someone is buying, somebody else is selling. And so if you think that all of everything is lined up perfectly for someone to make an investment to buy into this thing, it means that somebody else somewhere else <clears throat> thinks that everything is lined up perfectly for them to sell. Now, <clears throat> why would somebody want to sell something like a piece of gold? Well, they need to transfer that wealth into some other form to achieve some other ends. Sorry, guys. It's not COVID, I promise. Um, 
And so I know, for example, that gold miners need to sell gold all the time because they need cash to pay their workers, to pay for fuel, to pay for their equipment, et cetera. And so I can understand why there's a constant supply of gold being sold. People need to go liquid, people need to sell gold, et cetera. So why are there people who want to sell Bitcoin? And, and, and that's all I'm asking you to think about. I got a comment here. Um, David, you're mistaken why they wanted to dominate Bitcoin in smaller amounts. The reason they're doing it is not to make it more attractive, but rather to explain that one Bitcoin is divisible by a million parts. Well, maybe. But if I start saying, I don't know, let's call it a, a widget coin. If I say a widget coin is only $2, then it's, it's the same concept as a stock split. Um, when a company splits its stock, it goes from having a million shares to having 2 million shares. The price goes down by half. Many times when a stock splits, the price goes up, even though this, it's the same company before and after the division. It, the company hasn't changed. It's not more profitable or anything. They just divide the price to make it more accessible in the case of stocks because people at one time always had to buy a board lot, which was 100 shares. Um, <laughs> and then I've got in the in the commentary, I've got people who are arguing back and forth. So, I mean, my the question Anton wanted to ask me is, what do I think of Bitcoin? And I pretty much laid out my my thoughts on Bitcoin. Um, I don't own any. Um, I think that Bitcoin, if you believe Bitcoin, investing in Bitcoin is an investment in blockchain technology because Bitcoin is based on blockchain. I don't think that's the case. For those who don't know, blockchain technology is a, a triple entry accounting system. In, in normal accounting, there's double entry if you change one account, there's an opposing account that you make an alteration to in a company set of books, for example. In blockchain technology, there's a third entry, which is publicly a public ledger, so that people can trace the ownership throughout the one transaction after another. And so I think blockchain technology is really cool. There's a lot of different companies exploiting it. Things like land registries, I think, could be revolutionized by blockchain. Um, <clears throat> but as far as Bitcoin goes, you know, there could be arguments to me that say Bitcoin could be a great way to transmit funds from one place to another, a money transfer system, for example, that could remove a lot of costs, a lot of bank intermediaries, et cetera. Um, I think there's an argument for that. Is it a store of wealth in the long term? I as long as other people want to keep paying for it, right? As long as other people perceive it to have value. And, and that's basically what it comes down to. And as long as there are more buyers than sellers who keep bidding up the price, it will continue to keep going up. And in stock investing, they have a, a term for that. It's called greater fool theory, where you buy something with the hopes that someone else is going to come along and be convinced that it's worth more so that you can exit and take your, take your chips off the table. Um, anyway, so those are my thoughts.
So, you know, people of different points of view are, are in the chat box and that's, that's fine. I'm not a Bitcoin expert. Um, I prefer to put my money into things that are actually creating cash flows and, and creating more and more wealth. Um, and then for, you know, the sake of stability, um, I, I, you know, I do have some precious metals and I made some other videos about that. Um, just as a reminder to everyone, I have been recording the holiday chat specials. There are nine of them. Um, they're really good too. And so those start to drop on Christmas day. And I know that there are a ton of people who watch the YouTube videos who are not subscribers to the email list. If you want to get the holiday holiday chat specials over the, over the Christmas to New Year's time, uh, you need to be on the email list. So to get on the email list, you go to uh, davidcbarnettlist.com and just sign up. And you can just check off whatever topics you're interested in. And I use MailChimp. If you ever decide you want to come off the list, at the bottom of every email, there's a button you can click to unsubscribe. I don't want anyone on the list who doesn't want to be on the list. Um, but that is how the holiday chats are being distributed. If you are not on the list, they will end up on the public YouTube channel at some point next summer. Um, I want to thank you guys for showing up live. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with these live uh, broadcasts, and hopefully my practice over the last few weeks will make um, Thursday's production awesome with banners and everything. Um, on Wednesday, there will be another new video. It's going to be about protecting your interests as a minority investor in a small business. And that was a question that uh, that came up um, in a YouTube comment as well. So <laughs> reading Dave says, I've got to say as email lists go, I often read David Barnes because they make me think a bit. Well, thank you very much reading Dave. I have a lot of fun writing them. Um, and that's it. And we'll see you all later. Have a great day. And oh, don't forget, Business Buyer Advantage. Uh, for those of you who have not done Business Buyer Advantage, there are three bonuses being offered up until Christmas Day. And I want to thank people who've taken advantage of the of the special bonuses. There's a, the, the first bonus is a recording of my March 2020 presentation in Toronto, which was the last live uh, seminar I did before the whole COVID thing broke out. The second promo is that on December 28th, I'm doing a live Q&A over Zoom for everyone that enrolled in the program in the month of December. And then the third promo is I've got a recording in there I did with a business buyer who um, bought a business but did not um, you know, structure the deal in the way that I teach in Business Buyer Advantage. And it's a great conversation because we get to explore some of the difficulties and, and hiccups and road bumps that he had to endure in order to get things um, under his management once the transfer had taken place. And with that, we'll say see you later. Please don't forget, hit the like button. It really helps a lot on, uh, on the YouTube algorithm. And, um, and we'll see you all later. Bye.